I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. If you're trying to get out to the range, you're running out of time. You got to get while the getting's good. It's high noon for Friday, November 5th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 289th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You knew something had to be done. I mean, things were going okay for pretty much everybody, including you, but you knew you didn't feel right about it. Something was off in the world. My goodness, things are going well under Donald Trump. We can't have that. We can't have that man representing us. We got to make a change. We got to get something done. So let's steal an election. And then once we take all the power, we're going to get things done. And all those things are going to make American life so much better. It's going to make everything quiet down. It'll be so great once we have somebody like us back in office. Someone exactly like us. Someone who has the illusion of being very responsible and very capable, even though he's a totally incompetent narcissist with a career marked by failure and lying, and cheating, and corruption, and compromise. Just like you guys. Right, commies? You know you're frauds. Everybody can see it. You think you're still hiding it, but you're not. Everybody's known for a very long time. Everyone can tell. And they always could. Hence, the constant facade. Do you feel it? Do you feel the understanding flowing through you? Do you feel the doubt, the questioning, the self-reflection that says, my God, I am not who I pretend to be. It's weird, isn't it, commies? You can stop feeling that. All you have to do is start telling the truth. And once you do that, the rest of it will just fall into place. You'll be able to bring yourself back to America. You will shed all of those stupid and evil communist ideas. And then at that point, all you have to do is go and make amends with all of the people that you've shamed and bullied and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. And at that point, all of us in America will welcome you back 
with open arms and we will say hello, fellow American. We are so glad that you decided to join the project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, redeemable commies. Welcome back to America, commies. Wasn't that simple? Now, in the world of state media propaganda and a completely false narrative that is nonetheless believed by a good 25 to 30 percent of the country, Joe Biden was elected with a sweeping mandate, majorities in the House and, you know, sort of the Senate, or as the communists believe, a mandate to do everything they ever wanted to do. And what is Joe Biden's biggest priority for his fake administration? Well, it's laying the groundwork for the global reset. As described by the World Economic Forum's Klaus Schwab, one of the chief architects of the global communist movement. And what is Joe Biden doing to achieve that? Well, he's purging patriots from the military and the police force, and the fire department, and every other segment of American life he can. And he's using the vaccine mandate to do that. What else are they using the vaccine mandates to do? Well, they're trying to track you. What else are they doing to aid the global communist agenda? The great global reset. Well, they have opened the borders. And now we have a couple hundred thousand illegal immigrants coming into America every month in what is absolutely and only a modern day slave trade. But that's okay because Democrats are doing it. And Democrats, no matter what, are not racist. They identify as good people because of the ideas they associate with. And once they are good people, the ideas they associate with become a factor of their goodness and therefore become good. So now a modern day slave trade is not racist. It is not racist to bring foreigners of ethnic minorities into the United States to exploit them for their labor under poor working conditions and low pay and to exploit them for their political power. Isn't that incredible? I mean, what else could be happening there? There are all these people willing to travel thousands of miles, 70% of the women potentially sexually assaulted on the way. They are doing this to escape climate change. No, no, it's a slave trade. And Joe Biden is working hand in hand with the cartels. Now, why are they trying to do that? Oh, yeah, it's for the great global reset, just like it was in Europe. They are trying to change the population of the United States of America to gain political advantage and ease the assimilation into their new system. And those are just a couple of the issues But what's the big one? Well, the big one is signing up to the Build Back Better agenda. Now, 
The Build Back Better agenda is straight from Klaus Schwab and multiple other nations in the world are signed on to the same agenda. Why would it be if this plan was somehow meant to help America? Why would it be that the United Kingdom and Australia and Canada, for instance, among other countries, also say build back better? Are they just rooting for America? Of course not. It's a global plan. That's why other countries are in it. You see that, commies? Not hard to understand. But nonetheless, it is sold to the American people as the way to fix everything. Let's sign up for the Build Back Better agenda and everything will magically be fixed. We will be in a new world of plenty, of joyful surplus, and everyone will be king. Oh, wait. Those are the same people trying to tell us that they're going to tax us to drive and that one day we'll be happy to eat crickets. That's where we're going with the Build Back Better agenda. And they tell us that. So pretending it's not that is something only a certain brand of dyed in the wool child brain communist can actually do. I bring this up today because. The House was set to vote on the ridiculous Build Back Better agenda package, which is being called the Infrastructure Bill. And it seems to be dead in the water because even Democrats are trying to flee this obviously sinking ship. But let's talk about why this bill is called Build Back Better and why we think we need to do that. Okay. And I want to take you back mentally to where we were at the beginning of the year, or we can even say before the 2020 election. Aside from the COVID stuff, things were going pretty well. And COVID did a great deal to harm our economy and our national security and everything else. But Trump, for the most part, kept the ship steady. America was still largely on the right track. The society was not decimated and in ruins. The numbers that people were citing as bad, employment statistics and whatnot, viral elements, those existed in blue states where Democrat communist governors put in completely unnecessary policies and restrictions to harm their own citizens so that they could prepare the ground for a Donald Trump loss through election theft that they all know exists. And that would usher in the Build Back Better agenda. You see, to build back means that something has been destroyed. And how is it that someone like Klaus Schwab and all of these quote unquote leaders from all the global communist nations signed on trying to get their citizens to go along with this agenda. How is it that they could have all planned for society wide destruction that would require building back? A war would be something that you have to build back from a war on your own soil, a natural disaster 
could be the sort of thing that people would have to build back from in certain locations. But that's not what they want. They want a society wide program to build back from a state of destruction. And how do you achieve the state of destruction necessary to get the people to want to build back? Well, you destroy it yourself. And that's exactly what we see happening. They are trying to make life for American citizens so bad that Americans will beg for the global communist world order just to get back to a place of feeling safe and secure and stable. That is the plan. That is how they describe the plan. And we can see that being executed. When Joe Biden came to office, America did not need to build back. What America needed was for communists to stop running their states into the ground and for all the maskies and vaxies to become adults and stop being afraid of a disease they don't understand at all. And the polling proves that, by the way. Something so obvious that even Bill Maher admits it. And a disease that cannot kill them. Unless they are elderly with significant health problems. Or occasionally younger with significant health problems. Or they went to the wrong hospital and got put on remdesivir and then a ventilator, which will almost surely kill them. So congratulations, medical community. But that's all we needed. People could have simply stopped fearing the virus, gone back to work and thrown the communists out. And we would not need to build back better from anything because the country would have snapped right back into shape. The only reason that we need to build back, and by the way, we still don't, we can still take care of this in short order if we get the communists out. But the only reason we would need to recover from anything is because of what the communists have done. Okay. The environment's not the problem. High demand is not causing the supply line problems. And the employment issues are all of the communists making. There is nothing that needs built back better. Everything is fine without the communists. They are creating the problem and telling us there is only one solution. It's kind of like COVID and the vaccine. Do we need the vaccine for COVID? No. But we have to take the vaccine. So what do you do? Oh, you make COVID much worse. And then you make everyone's lives much worse using COVID as the excuse. And you tell them your life will be better if you get the vaccine. Same thing with the Build Back Better agenda. We are going to keep making your lives terrible until you submit and comply. They are now realizing that America is not going along with it. Joe Biden went overseas with absolutely nothing to show for it. Joe Biden was supposed to guarantee his country's membership in the global communist community, in the Build Back Better agenda. They need the whole team together. And they certainly can't get the job done without America on board. But we will never be on board. Never. Not for this illegitimate president. Not for the illegitimate Congress. Not for the illegitimate Senate. And these people are finished. And how do I know that? Well, let's look at some new numbers from Rasmussen. 
This came out yesterday. This is largely about elections. But you have to understand that the people who get it about elections are also waking up to the rest of it. This is what the country is like right now. And again, as always, these answers are what people are willing to express to pollsters. Okay. And those pollsters are strangers. People are willing to tell these things to strangers. And so you can imagine that more people believe these things, but aren't willing to tell them to strangers. We know what the political climate is. We know there is punishment for dissent against the wishes of the regime. And so you have to keep that in the back of your mind when you consider polling numbers. Okay. The polling on this was done a couple of weeks ago, but it was just released this week. Okay. So this is from Rasmussen reports, likely voters. 56% now say there was cheating in the 2020 election up from 51% in April. 47% of black voters now say there was cheating in the 2020 election. So does that seem like black Americans are big fans of the Democrat party? Doesn't look that way to me. 55% support 2020 election audits, including 53% of black voters. Who are the Democrats messaging to? Just died in the wool commies at this point. 60% say preventing cheating is more important than making it easier to vote. It's sad that only 60% understand that obvious and basic truth, but let's go on. 60% agree that opponents of requiring a photo ID just want to make it easy to cheat in elections, including 63% of black voters. Man, that's crazy, huh? I thought voter ID was racist. We've been told that for years and years. They canceled the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Atlanta over that. Now Biden's DOJ is trying to sue the state of Texas. Over their voting law. Do you really think people can't tell that that's to enable cheating? 61% say election reform must happen in swing states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Arizona, where voters have lost confidence. 66% say wider use of mail-in voting will lead to more cheating in elections. Obviously, and it has, and everyone can see it. Two-thirds of people think more mail-in voting leads to more cheating. Do you think those two-thirds of people are unaware that there was more mail-in voting last year? The connection in their minds has already been made. 74% say requiring photo ID to vote is a reasonable measure to protect the integrity of elections, including 72% of black voters. Shocker. 75% of black voters either believe the level of difficulty to vote is currently about right or believe it is already too easy to vote. Amazing. Isn't it amazing? Most black voters, three out of four black voters, don't think that voting is something that people with their skin color are unequipped to accomplish. Isn't that incredible? That's completely against the entire Democrat communist narrative. So what does it mean that they still keep saying it? Well, it could mean that they're racist and they are racist. 
95% think it is important to prevent cheating in elections, including 89% who think it is very important. 89% of the country thinks it is very important to prevent cheating in elections. Okay. Not just important, very important. 89% of the country. That's a whole lot of Biden voters, isn't it? Well, I mean, who knows? It's possible that Joe Biden really only got 11% of the country. I don't think it's that low. There's a lot of communists out there, but it could be. These numbers are up from 90% and 79% respectively. Okay. So thinking it's important to prevent cheating has gone from 90 to 95 Thinking it is very important to prevent cheating has gone from 79 to 89. That's in six months. Among black voters, 99% now say it is important to prevent cheating in elections, including 95% who say it's very important. All right. That says right there, black Americans think preventing cheating in elections is more important than the rest of the American population as a whole. Black voters are particularly in tune with this issue. Why is that? I would submit that that's because they are the people whose votes are constantly stolen and misrepresented by these Democrats who stay in these urban communities for decades, like Maxine Waters who has not served South Los Angeles at all in her entire career and lives in a $6 million house in another part of LA. But nonetheless, she stays there. How is that? Is she improving the lives of her constituents? Not at all. But she is serving the global communist agenda and she is allowing election fraud to exist in her community. She is part of the election fraud machine. And the rest of us are just supposed to believe that something about being black makes you want to get taken advantage of by Democrats who have destroyed your communities for 60 years, 70 years, 100 years. Look at the urban centers, the very dark blue urban centers around the country. Are they doing well where they are represented for decades by these same Democrat politicians? No. They're doing terribly. So how do those people stay in office there? Well, it's through cheating. How do their elections always come in after election day is over? Well, it's through cheating. How is it that Donald Trump does better with black Americans around the country, except in the cities where all the votes came in at 3 a.m. on November 4th? How is it? Riddle me that, commies. It's not because of election fraud. Okay, commie, go with that. And how do they perpetuate this narrative? Well, the mainstream media employs all sorts of black Americans like Charles M. Blow from the New York Times. And these people gain prominence by writing about their experience of blackness. Imagine for a second, if I went out and began writing a book about my experience of whiteness or, you know, mostly whiteness. I didn't bother sending my DNA away to the CCP to find out my full ethnic heritage because doesn't matter. 
And Charles Blow gets to go on all of the prestigious television shows and make everything about race. And we are supposed to take him very, very seriously, not only because he's black and talking about race, but because we are told he is a great and interesting public intellectual. Now, Charles Blow yesterday tweeted out a map of the COVID hotspots in the country. It kind of goes from the light faded yellow to the deep dark red in the places where COVID is very, very dangerous right now. And he writes, I am mystified by how these Southern states have such low rates of COVID when many of their governors haven't followed CDC guidance. Someone please explain this to me. And he says this in full sincerity. He has absolutely no idea what his own tweet means. This very smart person who rose to prominence talking about his experience of his skin color. He is put up there as an expert in all things, because that is how our culture works right now. If you have some level of expertise on one subject, it is assumed that you have a high degree of expertise on all subjects. And it turns out that's not true. It actually turns out that Charles Blow is just a stupid guy because he can't understand his own tweets. I am mystified by how these Southern states have such low rates of COVID when many of their governors haven't followed CDC guidance. Someone please explain this to me. Okay, Charles, I'll do it. The guidance is bullshit. Okay. You should be able to recognize that while you're writing the tweet. If the CDC guidances did anything to stop COVID, then the places doing the best job of following those guidances would have the least COVID. Except it turns out that that hasn't been true once the entire time. The only times they have been able to create COVID problems in southern states, in red states, is when they import that problem from the southern border. And yeah, sorry, commies, that's what happened. It's been pretty well reported, and it's been that way since last summer, the summer of 2020. The man is looking at the proof that the CDC guidances are nonsense and do nothing. And he can't understand why that is. Because he can't put two and two together. That does not make you a smart man. It makes you among the stupidest people in our culture. And this mirrors the debacle of Ibram X. Kendi, whose actual name is Henry Rogers, last weekend on Twitter. He posted a study that showed that white Americans were lying on college applications about their ethnic heritage and that those who lied about their ethnic heritage, claiming minority heritage, had a better chance of getting into to their colleges. He thought he was tweeting out proof that white Americans are liars and instead he was tweeting out proof that minorities have an advantage in college admissions. 
And the same form applies to almost everything the man says. He immediately deleted that tweet because someone made him aware of how he just be clowned himself. And then he tried to call it racist that people had mentioned it. Now, why do I mention Charles Blow and Ibram X. Kendi? Is it because they're both black? No, it's because they're both idiots and liars and race grifters. They are propping up a false narrative that does nothing but harm their community. And by their community, I mean the community of black Americans as defined on their terms. All right. I don't define communities. I don't even like the word communities because people are members of all sorts of different communities. And all those people are individuals with their own individual opinions. Not all black people think the same thing. And that is somehow too difficult for the communists to understand. And so I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. I think this was Wednesday. We were discussing the results from the elections in Virginia and elsewhere. And, and this person is beyond being one of my closest friends. He's also the person who has done probably more than anyone else to realign my political thinking. And I am forever grateful for that. But we were talking about, I was kind of thinking out loud and discussing the fact that a lot of these voters who went out and voted for Glenn Youngkin in Virginia were going out to vote for a Republican for the first time. Okay. They had spent their lives defining themselves as Democrat voters. They were aligned with the Democrat communist tribe and they would protect that tribe. And one of the core beliefs of that tribe is that the people in the other tribe are evil. The Democrat communists are always right and the Republicans are always wrong. And that makes everything easy because then you don't have to think. All that matters is your tribal affiliation. You know, you're a Democrat. You know, Republicans are evil because they're evil. They're always wrong. Therefore, you always vote against them. That's a very powerful motivating factor in people's decisions still now. Okay. You can imagine that one of the biggest sticking points for these communists who are waking up to the fact that everything they know and believe is totally, absolutely wrong, polar opposite wrong. Okay. They believe the wrong thing about everything, and it leads them to the wrong decision about everything. And I'm not saying this in a tribal sense. I am saying if you ascribe to communism, you ascribe to evil. Communism is evil. There's not another way around it. It is definitionally evil. It is anti-human in every aspect. And that couldn't be more obvious than when the most powerful people in the world are advertising a future of human suffering that you must be willing to go along with in order to save the planet. That's absolute mythology. But this sort of thing is the entire Democrat platform. They're right about everything. If you don't agree, 
You are every awful thing they can possibly imagine. So these people who went out and voted for Youngkin the first time they ever voted for a Republican. They have to realize that Republicans are not necessarily all wrong or all evil, and they can no longer define themselves. They can no longer self-identify as a Democrat. They are sometimes a Republican now. They have to wrestle with that and what that means about them and what that means about their beliefs. Because before, what the Democrat Communist Party does is they define us in every single negative characteristic they can come up with. And they are relentless about defining us that way. And they use that to gain more power even when they have so much cultural power already. They still have to define the other side as evil to divide people to gain power. That is literally the mindset of a racist. And the Democrat Communist Party and what they do exemplifies a supremacist culture in every single way, including by race. And when these first-time Republican voters experience that for the first time, they have to realize that they were the ones with that mindset. It's not the other side. We don't think all of them are inherently evil. We think they have been brainwashed or maybe are truly convinced to think that the most evil thing is actually a really good thing. And in realizing this, they come to understand that they have embodied all the things they say they hate. And they realize for the first time, wait, we're the enemy? Wait, the, no, 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 they're the enemy. And even with a world of proof in front of them, they still stick to the same story because they can't possibly believe that they're the bad guys. They just keep holding on. And that's what we see with the MSNBC host the other night. In Virginia, a white man became governor. A black woman became lieutenant governor the first time ever in Virginia. And a Hispanic man became the attorney general. So all of the white supremacists that went out there and voted based on education, which we're now told is racist. It is racist to not want an intellectual descendant of critical race theory taught to the children. Parents don't want their kids to take away the idea that they are evil because they're white or that they are oppressed and less than because they're black. That is just basic human decency to not want children inculcated with such a vicious and malicious idea. And naturally, no one expects Joy Reid to have an awakening on live television and realize that she's calling people white supremacists, even though they just voted for a Hispanic man and a black woman along with the white guy, even though she and her followers voted for a man who was mentored by a Klansman and that governor's race was to replace a man in their party who was dressed up for Halloween, either like a Klansman or in blackface. And he thought that picture was so great that he put it in his yearbook. 
So they try to figure out a way that somehow the other side are still the racists. And this has been happening for decades. This is a top-down strategy. This is a constant process of psychological manipulation. And it's really funny because these people on some level must recognize their evil because they try to project it onto everyone else. That is the strategy. They are trying to convince everyone that they are the opposite of who they actually are and that we are the opposite of who we are too. They're trying to play a switcheroo. They literally attempted multiple racial false flags in the week leading up to the election, thinking that that would win them the election. And I know that calculation changes a bit based on the election fraud and the actual manipulation of the narrative that we see coming out of Virginia. But it's like they focus grouped the whole thing and they were like, "Okay, well, what do people want out of us? And the answers are, well, we want you to stop being so racist all the time. And they're like, "Okay, so people don't like racism. Got it. Well, why don't we just say that we're not racist and the other side is racist? So we are going to be like the enemy and the enemy is going to be us. That's the strategy. So we're going to be the enemy. And the enemy, the enemy's us. Wait, wait. So, so we're going to, uh, we're going to, to join the enemy? No, 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 no. We would, we can't join the enemy. We don't want to be associated with those people. We're going to become the enemy. Uh, okay. So, then who will the enemy be? Well, the enemy is going to be us. Wait, so we're the bad guys now? Well, no, no, we are. We are going to be exactly the same as we have always been. And they're going to be exactly the same as they've always been, except now we identify as all the things they are. And everybody will believe that they are all the bad things we are. Don't you see? It's genius. And all we have to do is advertise our identity all the time. Everywhere we can, all the time, we are going to tell everybody that the enemy is us. Because otherwise, no one is going to let us do these things we want to do. And we're going to call it the Southern strategy. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell the entire country that the racial dynamic throughout all of history is different now because every black person in the country decided that we're no longer the racists because Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. That's right. Lyndon B. Johnson is a civil rights hero. He was such an ally for racial equality that he said this because of the passage of the Civil Rights Act. I'll have those N words voting Democratic for the next 200 years. 
Isn't that incredible? That's when they became us and we became them. And hilariously, when I was just looking up this quote for reference, I mean, I've known about this quote for 10 or 20 years, right? So the first thing that pops up is a Snopes fact check. It's unproven, according to Snopes, that this is a real Lyndon B. Johnson statement. Snopes, those very, very trustworthy fact checkers. And by the way, the term fact checker is one of the most dystopian terms you could ever possibly imagine. This entire industry is a joke, but I actually want to read their fact check because this is Snopes thinking that they are making things better. There's no question that Lyndon Johnson, despite championing the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964 and signing it into law, was also a sometimes racist and notorious vulgarian who rarely shied away from using the N-word in private. For example, he reportedly referred to the Civil Rights Act of 1957 as the N-word bill in more than one private phone conversation with Senate colleagues. And he reportedly said upon appointing African-American judge Thurgood Marshall to the Supreme Court, son, when I appoint an N-word to the court, I want everyone to know he's an N-word. Lyndon B. Johnson, the guy who certainly couldn't have said that other thing. According to historian Doris Kearns Goodwin, he also uttered this cynical sounding statement, which sometimes circulates in tandem with the voting Democratic remark. These Negroes, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us since they've got something now they've never had before, the political pull to back up their uppityness. Now we've got to do something about this. We've got to give them a little something, just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference. For if we don't move at all, then their allies will line up against us, and there will be no way of stopping them. We'll lose the filibuster and there'll be no way of putting a break on all sorts of wild legislation. It'll be reconstruction all over again. Man, a Democrat said that? But how? To be fair, historians point out that sometimes, as in the case above, presumably, Johnson's more bigotry-laden statements were calculated to achieve a specific end, such as convincing his pro-segregation Dixiecrat colleagues that it was in their best interest to support civil rights legislation. You got that? His racism was actually a good thing because he was able to convince other racists that it was in their self-interest to pretend to like the blacks. And this is the Democrat Party's claim to the old switcheroo. This is when the Democrat Party shed its history as the party of the KKK, the party of Jim Crow, the party of crumbling urban centers that they still have today, oddly enough. But this is when the switcheroo happened. This is when they became us and we became them. MSNBC reporter Adam Serwer writes, In Senate cloakrooms and staff meetings, Johnson was practically a connoisseur of the word, this being the N-word. According to Johnson biographer Robert Caro, Johnson would calibrate his pronunciations by region using Negra with some Southern legislators and Negra with others. Discussing civil rights legislation, 
with men like Mississippi Democrat James Eastland, who committed most of his life to defending white supremacy, he'd simply call it the N-word bill. But there were also instances of casual racism that can't be so easily rationalized. Oh, yeah, you did such a good job with the previous ones, Snopes. Biographer Caro also notes that Johnson is said to have replied as follows to a black chauffeur who told him he preferred to be called by name instead of boy or N word or chief. As long as you are black and you're going to be black till the day you die, no one's going to call you by your goddamn name. So no matter what you are called N word, you just let it roll off your back like water and you'll make it. Just pretend you're a goddamn piece of furniture. That is civil rights icon. Lyndon B. Johnson, the man responsible for the old switcheroo. This is the man who brought in the era of them becoming us and us becoming them. Don't you see? This is how nothing the Democrats do is ever racist. I can't understand how you don't get it. All of which is to acknowledge that without question, Lyndon Johnson used the N-word in private conversations. Yes, these conversations, they were, they were so private. What is in question is whether Johnson, in fact, uttered this particular instance of it. I'll have those N-words voting Democratic for 200 years. The quote appeared for the first time anywhere on page 33 of Ronald Kessler's book, Inside the White House, The Hidden Lives of the Modern Presidents and the Secrets of the World's Most Powerful Institution, published in 1995. So the man who published this was presumably alive with people who would have known Lyndon B. Johnson. And as it turns out, he was alive for 30 years while Lyndon Johnson was also alive. He was in his 20s when Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, pulling off the old switcheroo. Johnson, like other presidents, would often reveal his true motivations in asides that the press never picked up. During one trip, Johnson was discussing his proposed civil rights bill with two governors, explaining why it was so important to him. He said it was simple. I'll have them and words voting Democratic for 200 years. That was the reason he was pushing the bill, said McMillan, who was present during the conversation, not because he wanted equality for everyone. It was strictly a political ploy for the Democratic Party. He was phony from the word go. Okay, so. What we have is a real person cited in their words saying this is what Lyndon B. Johnson said. So I guess the only question is, is this person lying? And from what we can surmise based on Lyndon B. Johnson's other quotes and general racial attitude, there is absolutely no reason in the world to believe that Lyndon B. Johnson did not or could not have said exactly what he said. The McMillan reference above was Ronald McMillan, a former Air Force One steward Kessler interviewed for inside the White House. The steward provided many of the juiciest tidbits in a relentlessly juicy compendium of gossip, including the revelation that Johnson liked to parade around without his clothes on. And what does that have to do with whether or not Lyndon B. Johnson said that thing? Well, absolutely nothing. Snopes is just providing that for context to make it sound like McMillan was a gossip generally. And Kessler, of course, couldn't have discerned for himself whether or not McMillan was a credible witness to things he absolutely could have seen. We need to rely on Snopes tainting our view of McMillan 
which would then taint our view of Kessler and then throw into doubt whether or not a man like Lyndon B. Johnson could have said that thing that he probably definitely said. And that thing that he said strategically also resembles exactly what Democrats do. How could it be that the old switcheroo was pulled off by that guy? Well, that sort of thing would require a concerted media and cultural effort to sustain such a blatant and obvious lie. And who was one of these Dixiecrats? Isn't that a cute name that they give for racist Democrats? Dixiecrats? Gosh, that's cute. They sound cuddly. Who was one of those? Well, it was former Grand Klegel and Exalted Cyclops of the KKK, Robert Byrd. And who was Robert Byrd? Robert Byrd was Joe Biden's mentor in politics. And at this point, we basically have the scene in Captain Phillips where they're taking over the ship and the entire culture says to all of us, look at me, look at me. I'm the ally now. And so the man who was the beneficiary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy executed the old switcheroo. And here we are 60 years later, believing as a culture that the party of white supremacy throughout American history are now the allies of racial and ethnic minorities while they have a slave trade going on at the southern border and while they continuously fail urban communities across the country for decades on end. I have said for a very long time on this podcast that the entire narrative around race in this country coming from the Democrat Communist Party is inherently racist itself. And people who support that narrative and the Democrat Communist Party are doing so because of racism. They believe that black people, that black Americans have not figured this out. And don't know what's happening in their own lives. But the polling suggests otherwise. And the votes last fall and since then suggest otherwise. What's happening in reality is that people are beginning to understand the old switcheroo and reject it. And with that, they are beginning to understand that the 2020 election was stolen. And a lot of people recently especially in the wake of these elections are asking why isn't anything being done if the election fraud is so obvious and so many people know about it. And to that, I respond, things are being done. All right. Just because the mission is not complete doesn't mean that the mission is not advancing and people are getting upset because it seems like nothing is going on in Arizona. And I've addressed this a little bit this week, but I want to talk again about Mike Lindell. Okay. And again, I'm going to state that a premise of my argument is that Mark Burnovich will be signed on to the quo warranto that goes before the Supreme court on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. If I'm wrong about that, then the rest of the argument does not follow. This premise is key, okay? I understand that. 
And until Lindell announces which state attorneys general around the country are on board with his lawsuit, we cannot know whether or not this is right, although I suspect I am. So people don't understand exactly what Mike Lindell is doing, and that is in large part because they ignore Mike Lindell because they don't like how Mike Lindell's voice sounds. Same problem that a lot of people had with Donald Trump. That is a very, very stupid and irresponsible error to make. Okay, there's no other way I can say it. If you choose not to pay attention to Mike Lindell because of how he sounds or because you think you might sound dumb or crazy by associating yourself with what Mike Lindell is doing, then you are doing a disservice to this cause and to all of us who are trying to get this election fixed. Mike Lindell is not a fool or a clown or a joke. The man built an American manufacturing business that has become very successful and he is working his fingers to the bone for a year to fix this election. He is working as hard or harder than every other person in this country right now on fixing the election. And I was talking to a friend of mine in a chat that I'm in last night, and she is a smart and very patriotic person and a Trump voter. She's on our side, but we started talking about the Lindell case and she's, she was like, isn't he just suing Dominion? And I'm like, no, that is not it. All right. We have to dispel the notion that this is just about Mike Lindell and Dominion. It is not about that. Okay. That is one tiny piece of what Lindell's case is. Now you can take the time and listen to Lindell. He lays it out in full. He does a show on Frank speech a couple times a week. The other day I said it was five nights a week. I don't think that's true. I think it's either Monday, Wednesday and Friday, or maybe Monday and Friday, but 6 PM central time. He goes on Frank speech TV and discusses the suit. And he appears on war room plenty of times to discuss it as well. Mike Lindell is bringing a quo warranto lawsuit to the Supreme court. A quo warranto says, that the person sitting in office is doing so illegally, okay? And the relief for the Quo Warranto lawsuit is the removal of that person from the office they're sitting in illegally, all right? The lawsuit says Joe Biden is not president. If the Supreme Court takes the case, there is only one way they can decide it. And that decision will be to agree that Joe Biden is not the president. Now, if the Supreme Court refuses to see the case or refuses to decide properly on the evidence, then we have another breakdown of our constitutional republic. And that would push us into a considerably more dangerous place, if I am reading this correctly. So I hope and pray that does not happen. But what Mike Lindell's case is, is a collection of attorneys general around the country who will be signed on to this quo warranto representing their states. They are not saying Mike Lindell thinks the election should be taken down. That's not what this case is. It's attorneys general from all around the country saying this election was illegal. Here is the evidence. And in that evidence, they will include 
the information from the Arizona audit, the canvases from all around the country, the PCAPs, the stuff from Colorado, and all of the other election fraud and the affidavits from everywhere. Okay, this is all the verified evidence of election fraud from all around the country being put into this case that is going to have the weight of all the attorneys general who sign on around the country. And you have to understand what Lindell has been doing over this time. Okay, he had the cyber teams verify the PCAPs. This has happened over and over and over again. He put the PCAPs out there to be disproven. No one could do it. All right. Accept it or don't accept it. The information was captured during the 2020 election. Doesn't matter who did it or how they did it. It's the real information. It shows what it shows. They have also tracked other elections since then. Mike Lindell has been flying around the country to all the states, finding state legislators, attorneys general, secretaries of state, election workers, whistleblowers. And he has been gathering physical evidence, computer evidence and witness testimony all around the country. There's a reason he's doing that, and it's not because he's simply suing Dominion, okay? This isn't just about Dominion at all. The election machines are one factor. He will bring this case to the Supreme Court on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Assuming he has all these attorneys general on board, and it sounds like he has more than 20, but it's impossible to say for sure right now. Assuming he has them, this is going to have to be taken seriously, okay? If the Supreme Court denies it, then our problem includes the Supreme Court, and that is a bridge we cross when we come to it. But it's not going to happen in secret, okay? It is going to be undeniable that the case exists, and it went there, and it has all the evidence, and it has attorneys general on board with it, okay? It's not going to be Mike Lindell, the mascot that everyone thinks they can simply dismiss. It's going to be so much more than that. And it's the reason I'm talking about this, okay? It's important that we get out of this mindset where Mike Lindell is some kind of joke because what he is trying to do hasn't come to fruition yet. These things take time. They work along a timeline. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had delayed this stuff intentionally so that they could track the November 2nd elections that just happened. Because they'll want to add that evidence in as well. I believe, and you don't have to take my word for it, use your own discernment, Decide what you're going to do. But I believe it is critically important that we all understand what this case is. All right. This is a monumental Supreme Court decision. All right. He's taking a quo warranto to the Supreme Court to say that the president is illegitimate. That has earth shattering consequences for the Democrat Communist Party and for the global communists and for their narrative. And I can't predict what the Supreme Court will ultimately do, but I can say that if all of us choose because of our desire to remain in the party of false decorum with whichever groups still require that, that we still participate in, 
If we do that, if we ignore this, then we immediately give license to all those people to not take this seriously, to find something wrong with it. Okay. You know what the truth is. You know that the evidence he's taking to the Supreme Court is true and verifiable and verified. And you will know that very serious people in positions of elected authority around the country will be signed on to that as well. This isn't some joke. If we treat it as a joke, we give these people license to agree that it's a joke. On the other hand, if we take the small amount of time, a couple of hours to understand the mechanics of what's happening here, that means that we can explain to other people what I just explained to you, that this actually is a serious thing, that it has overwhelming evidence of election fraud. And by the way, Patrick Byrne says that he has read some of this, some of Lindell's case, and he agrees that it will be earth shattering. And you can write him off too if you like, but why? Okay, why? Are you afraid that these communists will not take you seriously anymore if you throw your lot in with Mike Lindell? If that's the case, then I would suggest to you that perhaps you don't actually care as much as you think you do about what's happening right now. Mike Lindell's lawsuit represents the truth and it represents our best weapon against what's happening now. The absolute worst case scenario for this lawsuit should be if the Supreme Court decides not to act, the worst case scenario should be that the understanding that the election was a fraud is now something that 80 to 90 to 95 percent of the country agrees with because the evidence is there. Serious people are taking that evidence to the Supreme Court. They're doing it with intention and they will defend it. And we need to tell these people that the Supreme Court and the other courts who ignored election fraud in the lead up to Joe Biden's fake inauguration didn't do so on the basis of the evidence. People need to understand that. And they are in a position now where they are open-minded enough for us to communicate this. It is our responsibility to make that be the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is obviously just that the Supreme Court takes the case and decides on the evidence correctly that Joe Biden is illegitimate. And then they either place Donald Trump in the presidency or we have another election, as I suggested back in January, as something that might happen. And I'm fine with that, by the way. And I hope Donald Trump is fine with that, too. In fact, it would be an amazing display of humility for him to suggest another election rather than simply say, yeah, OK, give it to me now. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to say that he absolutely, absolutely does. But if he wants to go down as a hero in American history, then he can say, sure, let's have another election. We'll have the military moderate. It'll be paper ballots only. They will be watermarked according to Mark Fincham's process that he has been talking about for months. It will all be verifiable. There'll be a finite number of ballots. 
We know how many there are. We know that people have voted in person and we have the results we have. And what will you see? You will see the entire country is red. And that will create a sense of legitimacy that we may not be able to create simply by replacing Donald Trump. So I see the advantages on both sides. Either option for me is fine. They both have their advantages and disadvantages. But if we're afraid to defend this case and understand this case, because we have told ourselves that Mike Lindell is a joke, but we are very serious people who could never be associated with that man. Well, then why did you bother voting for Donald Trump? Right? Are we really going to allow the country to slip away, allow this opportunity to slip away? Because we're worried about what people might think about us or say about us. I'm not. I'm all in on Lindell. And if I come up short, that's for me to deal with. But I'm not going to sabotage the thing by not taking it seriously. And neither should any of you. All right. The reason I do this show is not to get communists back on our side. All right. I know that the people we ultimately need to convince are not going to be convinced by me, by listening to this show. All right. I've understood that since the beginning. People are still confused about that. I'm here to try to give you the motivation and the tools to be able to handle these people in your own lives. And it's critically important that you're able to do that about this case. Get ahead of the story. Get ahead of the narrative. Understand what the case is and make yourself able to talk about it and tell other people what it is so that when they ask you questions or when they tell you, oh, that's a joke. Say, okay, okay, commie, how's it a joke? Why don't you go ahead and tell me? Is the evidence wrong? Well, they don't know anything about that. So you have to tell them, no, the evidence isn't wrong. Here it is. It's this and this and this and this and this and this and this. I'm sorry, Rachel Maddow told you that it was a fraud it or a sham audit. I'm sorry you listened to Katie Hobbs and Stephen Richer and Jake Tapper and Don Lemon. Oh, baseless claims, baseless claims. There's no evidence. Yeah, there's evidence. There's overwhelming evidence of election fraud. It all exists in this case right here. Would you like to read it? And they're going to say no because they don't want to believe that it's true, but it is true. And we have to be here to support that. And I'm not sending you down some crazy rabbit hole and telling you to believe something that isn't true because it plays to our political advantage. I'm saying, do the research yourself. You will come to the same conclusions that I have come to because it's true. And then you won't need me to tell you what you should do. You'll do it on your own because you care about the country. And you understand what this means and you understand that it matters. There's only so much Lindell can do and he has done it all. And we can't control what the Supreme Court will do. But what we can do is control public sentiment about this case for when it actually does drop so that the reaction plays to our benefit. Because the cause is just and true and righteous. And we're not going to allow the state media to propagandize a switcheroo that ends up with us 
doing the job of the enemy. We are not going to become the enemy just because they want to pretend they're us. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!